Hi there, and welcome to uh, this week's edition of Bulls vs. Bears. Um, I'd like to introduce my cohorts here, Kai Chen, Jonathan Takadena. How are you, boys? Very well, thank you. Um, and another exciting week in the markets with the with the rally in the US and Australia. Yeah, mate. It's, uh, boys, what, what's your verdict? Bulls Bulls won this week or the Bears? No, I'd have to say the Bulls. Uh, yeah, and I think it's a pretty convincing win for the Bulls. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Bears probably crying in the corner this week. Um, it, uh, it's certainly been a pretty good week on all fronts, realistically. Um, obviously, you know, what's the highlight of your week, JT, this week? Uh, trading wise, uh, I think uh, the new new record highs for the next year. Um, you know, I think there was one day there where we thought the Bears might pop out, but uh, uh, the dip was bought and went back to record highs for the end of the yeah, week. Yeah, it was almost the world's shortest dip. Yeah. Um, what about you, Kai? That's right. Yeah, going on from there, you know, just the surprise from Powell, fairly hawkish. The market took it not well, but that was pretty short lived. The next day we're back up, so. Yeah, for me, it was like the uranium busting back up. It's sort of pretty similar pattern, really. Um, like NASDAQ and the, and the Aussie market obviously had that little, that that tiny little wobble. But um, same as uranium, really. Like, it's been stagnant for a week and then all of a sudden, because um, Adam Prom comes out and downgrades their, uh, you know, downgrades their production numbers. So uh, uranium's going to be a lot more scarce. So we've been on that trade, that uranium bull, which has been... Um, which has been quite fun, but um, media this week, guys. Uh, JT, you had a um, spot on Ausbiz this week for the trade on Wednesday. What was yeah. the? So yeah, so the trade Wednesday. I was there about well, about midday. I was actually um, right on CPI as well, so I don't, yeah. I don't think they planned that too well. Um, but either way, so I recommended Stanmore Resources at three ninety, um, Treasury Wines at ten fifty, and Lion Town at a dollar. So run us through that Lion Town thing. So obviously um, that's been a that's been running around all over the shop this year. Albemarle take over at three bucks. Gina buys some and blocks. So what, what what's going on there? Okay, so uh, it sort of fell away with the lithium price getting belted. Got all the way down to I think eighty eight and a half or eighty eight was the low, and it's kind of just been drifting around. And then basically we saw Min come out with uh, good results. Uh, PLS moved on, so. What we tend to do is we go from the, the best to the worst type of thing, and Lion Town was like the next on the list. It looked like it formed the bottom, so we're thinking, okay, well, it's looking steady here. Zoom out, and you know, Kimberley Valley's a, a tier one uh, project in obviously Western Australia. It's 20, um, 25 year mine life, exactly. Like, yeah, like high grade, low, low production cost, like ticks all the boxes, and they were willing to buy it for three dollars, and here we are at a dollar. So, yeah, so as I said on the call, it'll be one of those that, so I recommend as a short-term trade, looking for $1.20, and I think, you know, I'll be kicking it myself, you know, it might be a lot higher than that. Like, well, well obviously Gina bought around 280 right? So, yeah. I mean, if you love them at 280 you've got to love them at a dollar, and she, um, I think that, you know, her holding company comes, they, they haven't been able to trade, I think. That, oh, that's right. Yeah, they've got the uh, escrow period. I believe that uh, gets lifted on the 11th or the 12th uh, yeah. this month. So, you know, they can start buying again or even take a, yeah, uh, put another takeover offer. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, takeover offer is probably unlikely. Lion Town's already knocked back $2.80. And, um, obviously, they found their price at 3 bucks, but... Um, I think they've got enough. They've got enough money for production, so, oh, yeah, um, so there's cash in hand. So, 
they'll probably resist a, a low ball offer. So, but you know, there's always a chance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, as well, we got a, we had our webinar this week, which was one of our first webinars um, on mastering risk management. Um, we won't bore you with that. It's 30 minutes. Um, Jonathan and I did that um, today. It was released. You can just go to the website um, and catch up on that. But um, yeah, we'll say risk management extremely important. But uh, everyone skips over. Yeah, it's it's not exactly. It can be a cure for insomnia overall. So, um, so yeah, but um, in terms of market news, obviously it was dominated by uh, U.S. stock earnings this, um, this week. Had a bit of a rough start to the week. A lot of the bigger companies, uh, Microsoft, Google, AMD, Intel, all really, they actually beat all beat expectations, which was and then got pretty smashed. So Intel was down twelve. Um, Microsoft dropped 1.8, Google dropped, I think, 7.5, AMD dropped 7. So we was looking a little bit grim at one stage. Um, and we had, uh, how was it like 30-odd percent of market cap of the S&P this week, Kai? Um, right, yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then later in the week, uh, well, today we had Apple, Amazon and Meta. So Meta was out of control. It was 17% or something. So, and, and it was the first time that they uh, paid out a dividend, was it? Yeah, it was It was one of the funniest things we've ever seen, watching um, watching a Bloomberg analyst be, American Bloomberg analyst be completely confused by why a company would pay a dividend, which is so, so different to Australian markets where it's all dividend-based. But it was... Um, yeah, there's was a few faces that look like confused Labradors, to be honest. So That's right, and then look, don't forget there were also talks of maybe Amazon working with Meta as well to, to yeah platform. So if we're talking two powerhouses, trying so Meta kind of has been trying to get into the e-commerce space, but if there's talks of them working or collaborating, yeah, like the big the big issue obviously is um, which the again the American analysts laughed at, laughed at was. Um, Europe's never going to let that happen, basically. So, um, and uh, yeah, and, they, and I think one of the funnier comments was, uh, "What do you think Europe will do?" And they just went, "They'll look at the earnings and they'll just change the size of their uh, the fines they're going to dish out based on their earnings." So, um, so yeah, look and and look overall, most companies kind of beat expectations and actually went marginally lower. So. It's still a bit mixed. Um, Apple was really not talked about. I think that's more about, you know, it was always going to be one of the more disappointing results. And the US is in such bull mode at the moment that realistically, like, they just ignore anything that looks remotely bad. So, so yeah, look, it, it will tame back in earnings next week um, for the US. But um, I, don't, I don't know, is there... I don't think there is any major US earnings next week overall. I think it's sort of most of the mag sevens out of the way, except Nvidia, which I think is later in the month. Yeah. So, um, but Kai, mate, what was your stock highlights for the week? Yeah, you know, like it, it's again going back to the uranium thematics because uh, that a problem. Um, again, you know, like we've been hearing news of them running short of sulfuric acid to refine the uranium. Um, but this week they come out with the concrete production outlook for 2024, and um, it's it's pretty pretty drastic in terms of how much they are in short stock of uranium, right? So that's uh, basically they're saying there's a 20% reduction in 2024, um, and that's got the market pretty worried in terms of how much shortage there is. Well, they're they're 23% of the world supply, so uh, you know. It was, I think it was 9.4 million pounds of uranium that they're not going to produce this year, which is like 5% of total uranium supply. Like, And we're talking two months after, you know, 33 countries committed to, like, 
tripling their nuclear power over the next 25 years. So, um, and these shortages, when I dug a little bit deeper, actually, they, they actually went out to 2025 as well. So, um, ironically, they rallied 11% on the night because they do have inventories, which means the spot price is going to keep going up. And the spot price did, it broke a new 17 year high. Yeah. So it's, so it's kind of like when uh, when a company lays off um, you know, people, workforce, obviously not great for the workforce, but yeah. often good for the share. And you're, you're obviously laying off workers because you're busy. And then, yeah, we found that um, a few of those tech stocks as well, they've laid off workers and actually increased revenue and margins at the same time. So I think what will, you know, unemployment rates are like 3.9% mostly around the world. Maybe these companies are like, can we do it with even less people? Like, so yeah. What else picture be a picture and, interest? You know, like going back, keeping on this uh, uranium story. I think you know this morning we saw that rally in the uh, Aussie uranium stocks. Uh, deep yellow. What, there's there's like an eight percent short. It was for, as of four days ago. It was an eight point nine percent. And judging by the buying up until lunchtime, so it peaked it up seventeen percent at lunchtime. Someone had a million unit bid um, and they just took it up all morning the moment it was done. So yeah. I dare say that was a margin call. And then that poor bastard basically, so, you know, it, only, yeah. it only ended up about 12% in the end. But the moment that order was done, it, it, it at about midday, it just went straight back down to about up 10%. So, you know, it's funny how they execute putting a million bid. You're just never going to get filled. Yeah, that's probably a risk manager executing the order. That's that's, that's not a. That's I don't. I don't reckon that's the trader that's taken out of his hands. That's compliance going. Uh, where do I buy? Yeah, yeah. You need to get out now. So, I mean, that's like, and I. That's a. You know, it's a two hundred odd million, you know, dollar position. So, if you've just you've just dropped twenty percent on that, you know, Ooh. someone someone's got fired today. I'd say, yeah. but you know, because it's uh, that's that's the game. That's the market. If you want to play shorts and do that sort of thing, well, that's you know, it's uh, it's a game we play. Um, and what about uh, you, uh, you? You mentioned something about Nickel Industries before. Yeah, so Nickel, we saw quite an outperformance from Nickel Industries as well. Um, again, from the quarterly report, and you know they record they reported very well. Um, the production's increased actually by about 27%. Um, so that's quite substantial. And, you know, like nickel prices have stabilized now. And this is why we're seeing the growth in their bottom line. And I think, you know, nickel's been hammered so much in the yeah. last year or so. The market's realizing it's like, hold, well, hold on a second. You know, the price is stabilizing here. But these guys are actually doing really well. It's the, just on the price. This one, this one I've, and I've struggled with this one a little bit um, because their results are always really great. But they're, they're based in Indonesia. And they're not battery grade. Well, they weren't traditionally back, uh, battery grade nickel. It was what's called pig nickel. Um, it's pretty close, but they're actually now they've started a refining plant in Indonesia. Um, I've had friends who've lived in Indonesia, and things happen pretty quick over there. There's not a lot of regulation, yeah. so um, and it, so they're gonna they actually are gonna do downstream battery nickel as well. So this is a company that's just been undervalued for ages, and I think it's a, sort of like those African-based mining companies that you know. There's always that risk premium priced into them because you don't know what's going to happen mm -hmm. with the, uh, you know, it's not a very stable government. But it, um, it look, this nickel industry, I've always thought it's sort of undervalued, and but it, it's it's a hard one to hold on to because the moment nickel turns down, it gets hammered straight away. Mm -hmm. So, and um, look, you know, LME had reports last year, London Metal Exchange, their delivery warehouses having like, they're being defrauded and having actual rocks in the bags where the nickel's supposed to be. 
Um, and there was a nickel squeeze in 2022 where the price got to like 28,000, 29,000. Now back at sort of 16. But um, yeah, look, we do need these minerals going forward. There's been a few mineral um, nickel mines shut down um, uh, in Western Australia and things um, recently. Same as core lithium shut down because the lithium price fell too much. Like that tends to put a floor in the prices overall. Like if people stop production, well, then, you know, lower. You know, lower production begets probably higher prices in the end. So, um, so yeah, it's an interesting dynamic there for now. Yeah, and the last the last stock that's actually done quite well is Megaport. You know, it's it's just a solid company. Um, you know, they've got uh, data centers here and in the US, um, and basically, um, you know, they're a cloud service, right? They integrate all the different cloud yeah. platforms together. Well, they're like the connector, aren't they? They don't think they own the data centers, but they will get you set up. Yeah. So I think there was, I heard a great example where um, if you want to get connected to a data center via Telstra, it's like three days minimum. These guys will get you set up in three hours for the same service. So for a bit, and then they'll provide Microsoft Office and they'll provide the cloud, the Azure and the whole work. So, you know, everyone always pays for convenience and then... Um, you know, it's a pretty volatile stock, um, but, but yeah. their margins are really great. You know, yeah, like their yeah. gross margins about seventy percent. Is uh, it that much? Yeah, wow, it's very it's high. Very Sorry. high. Yeah. So, you know, their 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 reportings were quite impressive, and I think beat them on the expectations, and that's why you all saw sixty jump in that. Yeah, it was a bit out of favor. Like it's one of those stocks when it gets really out of favor. I think it's one of the highest volatile, uh, highest volatility stocks on the ASX. We did a bit of research a couple of years ago, and Megaport was one of those ones that. It's definitely not for the faint-hearted. So, um, so yeah. But uh, we'll move on to commodities in FX. Um, iron ore had a bit of a rough week, um, but really just pushing back down in, into the range. Um, it didn't really. Obviously, our um, our miners sort of got lifted with the index being such a massive part of it. Um, I'm reading a fair bit about you know the look. We've we've spotted the copper shortage probably started last year and. It's sort of one of those commodities that, you know, we're definitely going to need for the green transition. We're just seeing more and more about, you know, big funds, big hedge funds, kind of similar to what we saw all big hedge funds buying into uranium about a year ago as well. Like, this is something we're definitely keeping an eye on because um, Peru and Chile are 45% of the world production. Um, there's been riots over there. There's high unemployment. They're looking at na not nationalising, but not giving the, you know, the BHPs and the um of the world you know such a great deal the sort of um i think particularly for um chile's like the pinochet era was really geared towards foreign investment where um so yeah it's something we're looking out for um this week um or not sorry over the next year i'd say um and it's just we you know but it is something that generally tends to rise with the economic growth overall but what are the stats about the Electric vehicles use something like six times the amount of... Um, something like four times the amount versus an ice, ice car. Yeah, versus a combustion car. And I think there's there's six, to oh, six times the amount of copper than there is lithium in an electric vehicle. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, and you cannot... The only thing that's even close is zinc, and it's a terrible conductor of electricity. So if we're going to do the green transition, we're going to need heaps of copper. So... Mm -hmm. It's definitely one to watch out for. Um, so I just want to say one thing on crude oil. That's been extremely volatile this week. Um, there's been talks of a peace deal uh, in the Middle East, and that's what actually caused the drop in oil prices. Interestingly, though, 
Beach Petroleum, Woodside, Santos, they all jumped today. Yeah, so right. It could be kind of like what happened in the coal space. Um, all the Aussie coal, uh, coal producers all rallied in those spot price drops. So uh, that's one to keep an eye on. So maybe uh, there could be a play in the um, energy space here in Australia. Yeah, maybe it's just a maybe the bit of certainty about prices potentially giving a bit of a bid tone to them. Obviously, as well, I don't, you know, that oil prices jumped quite a bit, like in the last, well, from its lows. Yeah. Um, and really, the, those those oil stocks haven't recovered a hell of a lot. So, I mean. Well, I looked at that, that 80 level again. So, I got it up to about 79 and a half, and that was kind of like that, that sort of line in the sand. And I thought, here we go. Like, if it can get past the 80, uh, we've got a new oil bull market, but uh, it's gone the other way. It's back down to 73 now. Yeah. So, coal, coal stocks this week again. Pretty good. Um, coal price was largely, um, I think, was actually down pretty about four and a half percent of the week. They are pretty volatile. Those futures prices. Uh, there's been a cold snap in the US, so maybe I think the market maybe runs off for you know forward predictive um, uh, you know numbers rather than necessarily the spot price. But um, and we've covered uranium, Kai. Um, but look, you know, obviously, what are the a few of the stocks? Obviously, we've got. We've recommended Boss Energy. We've got Alligator. We've had Paladin on in the past. Um, you know, they all hit pretty decent highs this week, yeah? Yes. Yeah, they're, um, I think I think Paladin would be, it's a minimum 52-week high, if not a record high, um, I think at 137, 138. So those things technically look like you just probably don't get in the way, right? Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, there's so much momentum behind that. Um, and you know, URNM ETF is another one where you can get some, you know, international exposure. They've got the Sprott fund, and we won't we won't mention how it how it opened ten percent out of whack today. Um, we unfortunately missed that, but but um, but yeah. And then crypto world boys, it's not really my my cup of tea. You, you two can take over here. Oh no, so not too much to mention. Just basically, there was that flush out when the uh, ETFs first listed. Um, got down to about 39 and it's crawled back. It's back at 43 and uh, looking steady from here. Yeah, I wonder if it will test re high. Uh, the high at 48,000, you know, it was that 40,000 was really crucial level. If it fell below that, it probably would have went along for a couple of months, right? But it's it's bounced back and there's a bit of strength still in the market. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, it's still, it's still out there. Um, everyone loves their, um, their crypto at the moment and gold, silver, they're all holding in there, even though the, uh, US dollars rallying as well, so that's a good sign. Yeah, there was bullish yeah. bullish signals for gold and silver. Um, look, I'm a well-known, you know, gold hater. I think it's just crypto for old people, but um, but essentially, you know, silvers we we tend to play via silver because it's obviously involved in solar, etc. Um, and 58 to 60 percent industrial use, and I, I like things with supply and demand curves, not just like belief systems like gold. So. It, um, but anyway, that's a, it's a whole another topic. But um, yeah, but it could, and what you know, what's been going on in the world of you know economics and politics this week, Kai? Yeah, so we had a couple of important figures come out, both on the US and Australia front. In Australia, we had the CPI that came out, and it was a pretty decent miss from analyst expectations. It um, it was lower quarter on a quarter by uh, 0.2, um, and that's that's a decent miss, you know. So it's kind of gives pushes puts fire on basically the RBA holding rates where it is. Um, I guess the question now is really, you know, when are they going to cut rates? Um, and, you know, most analysts think that in August they'd probably do a rate cut and maybe, maybe one in December. So, you know, 
two cuts potentially at the later half of the year. Um, but yeah, it's still really data dependent. You know, it's, we're still at four, uh, 4.1% year on year. Um, so it's, it's still above the target ban of uh, the RBA of two to 3%. Um, so, you know, but if the trend continues, I think, I think the RBA will be pretty happy to hold rates here quite steady. It's just a question of when, you know, when, it, yeah. when there's it been, a, there's up. been a little bit of talk from us analysts as well about maybe it's a bit of a second run in inflation. Um, and obviously those shipping costs and things, you know, I think shipping costs have gone up, you know, uh, it's a, one figure, it's like a million dollars per container ship now. Um, so that's obviously going to add to the cost of goods, um, and probably a pretty, uh, big incentive for the U S to get, you know, their shit sorted out basically in the, uh, in the middle East. So, uh, cause the Suez Canal, I think we're, we're watching something before Egypt's Egypt's dropped 300 million in missed in missed revenue from going through the oh, Suez really Canal well, in the well, last like in the last month. So well, they, they are the, the transurban of the seas. <laughs> yeah. and boy, it's also causing um, a backlog at the Panama Canal as, uh, canal as well. Okay. Yeah. So it's delaying shipping everywhere. And as we saw in COVID, like when those supply chains fall down, that that causes inventory problems. It causes company problems. Like. It's not handy for anyone, but you know, yeah, pirates. Big, are, big knock on effects. Just big knock on effects everywhere. I think so. I think that's potentially why with Powell, he's still quite conservative with his rate outlook, right? Like he came out with a statement that you know they they're doing their job and basically inflation's falling back in line, but they're just kind of in a wait and see mode, right? Like most most people were believing that uh, there'd be potentially a rate hike in March, which which we all thought was pretty ridiculous, and it is, mm -hmm. right? So. Um, he just put water on that and said, you know, well, we're doing a good job, but we have to see confirmation that the inflation is actually stabilizing. And as you guys mentioned, you know, like if there's any disruptions in supply lines, that could definitely turn the picture around. Um, but you know, what's really interesting is that um, bond yields actually went down. Oh, sorry. Yeah, went down. So, yeah. like, so it's it's been a buy everything at the moment. So buy yeah. equities and buy bonds. So it's just interesting. I mean, like it was kind of a reverse effect early on the early on in the year but yeah as i said like this this last move like you think with powell um you know putting more on the cut uh, the rate cuts you think the that's right the bonds would sell off but they've actually um rallied so interesting uh interesting move there yeah so we've gone from a hundred percent chance of uh cutting rates in march to 90 80 50 zero but now we're a hundred percent in may so yeah. And I reckon it'll, it'll, it'll be probably a fairly similar pattern because we don't, we can't, we pretty much can't get enough data for them to make a definitive decision. And and watching Jerome Powell speak this week, he was, he was like insecure at best. Like he, he was so wishy-washy. Um, it was, you know, it was pretty uncomfortable to watch, to be honest. Like it, he genuinely didn't, he looked like he just didn't know. So, and that, look, that's fine, but. You know, you probably want your leaders to to sound like they actually know what they're doing. But... And, you know, it's an election year as well. Ah, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, like, you'd probably have some pressure on power going, hey, you know, if there's any hikes, don't even think about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But also there'll be there'll be heaps of fiscal stimulus because yeah. they'll all be making stupid promises. So, you know, then maybe if there's fiscal stimulus, he's worried about keeping them higher for longer because who knows what these two octogenarian idiots will do yeah. um you know with their promises so like it really yeah i i think they're going to probably keep their powder dry till at least july um or you know maybe start a q3 
um, higher for longer. They have been saying it for ages. The market just hasn't been listening. True, true. So um, I think finally we got, um, you know, uh, trade of the week. Uh, so take it away, our, our head of alpha portfolio. Yeah, so this is actually a balanced recommendation, though. Uh, it's Treasury Wine Estate, TWE. Um, oh, so you covered that on the trade as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, um, we recommended it on Wednesday at 10.50 or thereabouts. 10.40, I believe. 10.40, you got to fill, but yeah, you could have filled your boots at 10.50. And I believe it closed around 11.19 today, thereabouts. 11.23 on its high, there you go. 11.23 on its high today. So the main interesting point about that trade is that when we put it on, we were actually a little bit worried about that 10.80 price where the um, the cap raise was done. Usually what happens is that you know, when, when stocks trade under the cap raise price, that sort of cap uh, level uh, puts the national cap on the, yeah. on the thing, but it just shot straight through. And yeah, we've got blue skies ahead. So uh, interesting stock. Uh, I believe they report in a couple of weeks as well. I think it's my eyes at the 13th or 14th. I, I think. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, I think um, yeah, the consumers were strong later on in the year. Uh, I know I drank my fair share of wine yeah. over that period, and I think uh, it'll show the results. Yeah, the huge transaction it was like an 800. They bought. Um, they bought a U.S. winemaker, which um, I struggled to with the pronunciation. Um, it's Napa Valley. Uh, it was 1.6 billion Aussie dollars. That, that's a that's a massive cap raise, and um, but it does fill a gap in their range. And um, uh, but look, overall, the, the CEO's got experience in the U.S. Um, I think that 40 to 50 dollar bottle um, a bottle range. This company, they they, they bought out it's like 20 percent of the market share or something silly. So. Um, and we do have that, um, the Chinese tariffs are likely to be lifted sometime in the next quarter, which will provide a positive catalyst. So Pretty good diversification, right? You know, like if that tariff doesn't come off, they still got that business unit in the US, which is going to be... Yeah, good. they've worked out a kind of a little workaround. They've got, you know, they've, they've started in China. Um, they've obviously got Napa Valley and the US now. They had small operations over there anyway. Um, Australia and then Europe. So effectively now they... They may not be subject to tariffs because they operate in all those countries. But, but you know, if they lift the tariffs, the Chinese lift the tariffs. Obviously, the floodgates will open for Penfolds and Grange. Yeah. You know, back into the which which was Treasury Wines is like pretty much their only business model mm -hmm. about four or five years ago. So ironically, the something that that came out of left field that nearly obliterated them is actually gone and forced them to be a better business. So they're. Um, you know, and I, and I like, you know, something like Endeavour Liquor, for instance, they're at this point, um, Dan Murphy, they're 58% between all of those uh, Bottle Mart and all those things, that, all the conglomerate that they own. They're at a point where they, the ACCC is going to step in if they, they can't expand. So unless they go overseas, so there's no value in that. But these guys, I mean, this thing can grow enormously. It's, it's international. So... There is, there's massive upsides. So, you know, everyone goes, oh, Endeavour's defensive, but it's actually a high 10, 27 PE or something like that versus uh, I think this is around about the same PE, but it's addressable market is the world, not just, you know, down the street, Dan Murphy's. So, so it's, it's one of, we've, we've got high hopes for over earnings season. Um, we'll probably do a bit of an earnings season um, preview next week, boys. Um, but what's your prediction for next week? Well, you know, obviously the Bulls, there was a unanimous uh, win from the Bulls this week. What do you reckon next week? Oh, the Bull keeps charging. Yeah? What uh, I'm the same, so I'm, I'm you know, a natural bear, but I'm going <laughs> to 
hold that back and say the Bulls win next week. Concerningly, from the perma bear, which is me, um, I, I'm actually I, my my bull will will be of the green glowing uh, radioactive twinge. I think uranium's going to keep punching, um, but I think that you know the steam might start to run out of that uh, that Nasdaq. But you know I've been saying that for a while now, so I'll, uh, you know well you can send your complaints into um, you know in in for for me being wrong on that one, but. Um, so thanks, boys. Well, um, obviously, I think oh, the fear and greed index still is still above eighty. We're in extreme greed territory oh, we this had, week. We had a little dip of fear, you know, like yeah, yeah but, but, um, but we'll we'll keep you updated on that. That's always a, uh, as soon as that one gets above uh, anywhere around the eighty-five to ninety range, it usually means that we are a bit too frothy. But we'll keep you in touch on that one. But um, have a great weekend, everyone, um, and stay safe in markets.